When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Sitting in for Morley Scott tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Eskimos Coaches Show. As we do every week, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss will join us. That's going to be coming up in a few minutes. And, man, things have turned around drastically for the green and gold. They were 7-0. and That was back on August 10th when they won 27-20 in Ottawa. Since then... They have not won a game. Five consecutive losses. Saturday afternoon in Toronto, they fell behind, tried to catch up at the end, could not do it, and the Argos win it 34-26. Of course, a couple uh, debatable pass interference calls going against the Eskimos, and then uh, Mike Riley drilled in the head late in the game and uh, wasn't called, and there was no challenge remaining there for the Edmonton Eskimos to do something about it, but they weren't in a great situation to begin with. Before we bring in the head coach, here's how the call sounded with Morley Scott and Dave Campbell right here on 630 Chet. Marquise Jackson, one of the best returners in the league, is back to wait for the kick. It's the Argos and Eskimos. Let's light this rocket. Trayvon Van into the game in the backfield for the Eskimos off the six-game injured list. He gets the football. He goes up the middle to the five, takes a hit, touchdown! Eskimos. Trayvon Van takes the first pie out of the oven. It's early, and the Eskimos already have the lead. So they'll try it again. Fajardo from the one. He'll turn. Go play action. He throws to S.J. Green, and he's in for the touchdown for the Argos. He's on the ground now for Wilder. There's the snap to Ray. He'll drop. He's thrown to the back of the end zone. He's got a man. Touchdown, Argonauts. Balls to the 46 for the Eskimos. Second and 10. Three to the left, two to the right. Five receivers set for the Eskimos. Lochard's in to block as Raleigh throws. He's got a man, and it is complete. Brandon Zilstra, touchdown, Eskimos. What a bomb. Riley to Zilstra, and it will be a tie game. Here's Ray, takes the snap, hands the ball off to Wilder. Oh, he's got a big hole across midfield to the 50. Can he be cut? Neil King's chasing. No, sir. Big one. Touchdown for the Argos. Wow, what a run. Wilder to the end zone. What a huge run for the Argos, who answer the bell quickly with another touchdown. Ball is down. Kick is up. Missed it wide to the left. Argos will bring it out to the 10, up across the 15 to the 20. The 30 down the sidelines. Marquise Jackson's going to take it to the end zone. He's at the 30, the 20, the 10. Now he's just skipping into the end zone. Touchdown, Argos. No flags on the field. He'll roll to the right side. He'll throw. It's a complete the band. Inside he goes. Touchdown, Eskimos. But there's the snap. Oh, he gets bowled over. The ball comes free, and the Argos recover it. Riley just creased by that wave of the defensive line from the Toronto Argonauts. What a hit. 
34-26, the final score. The Argos over the Eskimos. The Argos win for the first time after dropping two straight. The Eskimos have now fallen to 7-5, and 7-0 and feels like a long time ago. All right, so there was the call Saturday in Toronto. The Eskimos now on their bye week. Their next game, Saturday, September 30th, they'll host Winnipeg. Don't forget that game will be on our sister station, Kiss and Country 103.9, 6.30 for the countdown to kick off, 7.30 for the start of the game. Reed Wilkins on the Eskimos. Most coaches show, and I'm pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Green and Gold. It's Jason Moss. Jason, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Yeah, good to have you on the show here. I'm filling in for Morley this week. Uh, you are into into your bye week. I know there's not a lot of downtime for a pro football coach. What well, what is this week like for you? You get five hours of sleep instead of four, or <laughs> what do you have to accomplish this week? Well, definitely some rest. Um, you know, getting my mind clear and fresh for the last six games of the season, uh, regular season. Um, but I will go in the office and I'll still watch film and break down what we just did and look forward to Winnipeg a little sooner than I would, uh, particularly coming off a loss in the way the last five games have transpired. Yeah, for sure. You, you know, the tough game, obviously, uh, in Toronto. You guys were uh, right with them. They pulled a, a back. Uh, they pulled away a little bit, and you guys fought back uh, in, in the fourth quarter and couldn't quite tie it up. You know, Jason, I'm watching that game, and I was talking to Dave and Morley after the game, and I'll, I'll tell you the observation I made, and you can kind of agree or disagree, I guess, because a, a coach is going to see see the game probably a, a little different than, than a spectator would. But I said to the guys, you know, the Eskimos make plays. I mean, they make big plays. You get long passes, you get a sack, you get a fumble recovery, but it almost seems like for every positive play, big play you guys would make, you'd have one or two against you. That was sort of how I felt watching it. What was what was your experience like on the sidelines? Yeah, I mean, it's an, it was an up-and-down game. I mean, we, I think, forced three fumbles in that game and got one of the three. You know, we have uh, one interception or whatever. I, I don't even know if it was one, but we have one go right off of Ladler's hands. It's probably been a pick six. I mean, you know, you got Chris Edwards. We have another one right in his hands that goes right off of there. Um, you know, we, there were so many good plays, like you said, and then little plays like that where you're like, we're on the cusp of something big happening for us, and then nothing. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, I thought, how the game went. You know, um, our special teams plays great, 39 of 40 plays, and one lapse. Um, you know, a big play happens against us, momentum changing play. Um, but the rest of the game, they're, they're lights out and against a great returner against a really tough special teams unit. Um, you know, offensively, we drive down the field at will at times and get stopped in the red zone, you know, get a, a, a battery, we call a reverse and we end up not executing it to perfection and gives us backed up and, you know, in a bad situation on second down and, you know, we can't, we were two of five in the red zone again. You know, that, that wasn't good. You know, defensively, we played pretty stout for most of the game. And then one big run gets ripped off, um, you know, and, and going into the game, if you would have told me Toronto was going to run the ball for 200 yards, I would have said, you're crazy. They don't run the ball that much, yet they found success doing it. The second half, though, our defense stood on their head. I, I don't know how much they got at all in the second half. But – you know, we didn't capitalize in the third quarter when we dominated the whole third quarter. And obviously, I thought the fourth quarter we were we were doing very well as uh, doing well as well. So um, it was such an up and down game. Uh, obviously, there to be taken, um, but we didn't quite take it. 
you know, you know, you mentioned the special teams and obviously their their kick return. And and look, I know uh, I know Hugh O'Neill uh, wanted to have a better day than that. But I, I I'm wondering too if there's another way to look at it. I mean, I interviewed Zilstra uh, last week after the Calgary game, and on that final drive, he he said he he you know or you know said to, it was Milo in that game said you know it's it's our job to get you closer or it's our job to make sure you're you're kicking an extra point rather than a field goal. So. Um, you know, I guess sometimes when people look at individual plays, maybe the kicker is going to be a lightning rod. But I wonder if you're thinking, you know, those needed to be converts and finish drives rather than field goals. Yeah, that's why I basically said, you know, it's one big play like that that everyone notices when 39 of the other 40 were about perfection on our, our special teams. But the one big play happens. And yes, was it what, what down and distance was it? It was it was a pretty long down distance and it was a 42-yard field goal. Should it have been closer than that? Absolutely. So I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just pointing out that when you talk about an up and down of a football game, there's nothing bigger than an up and down of a special teams play that goes the other way, particularly when you expect three points. But that's nobody's fault in and of itself. It's it's everybody's. It's the, the defense getting them off the field, the offense getting it further down, the offense punching it in for an extra point. Now it's not a 42-yard it's a 32-yard convert. But when you talk about plays that decide football games and plays that can inevitably decide the outcome of a game, all those are taken into consideration. So, you know, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I'm not saying anything. I'm just pointing out when you talk about an up and down of a football game and something big like that happens, it does uh, affect outcomes. But it's, no, but it's not just special teams. It's not just you. It's not just anything. It's all of us. And, and that's what a football team is. It's, it's the up and down of a football game, the making of plays, whether it's one of six that you always say determine it, or it's more than that. You know, and, and I, again, I pointed out last week, I could have pointed out the 20 other plays that would have decided that outcome of the game of one finger to knock down the ball on third and five. But there was five to ten other plays that could have de- determined that game as well. And I could look at all of our games this year. 13 of the whatever, however many we played already, I have 12. 10 of the 12, I could point to plays in the game that we've made where we've won games and plays in the ma- that we've made that we've lost games. Just a handful of them. And that's what football is. It's a handful of plays that generally determine it. But you never know which one that's going to be. Right. So. You got Trayvon Van back at running back. He scored a touchdown. Uh, I think you wound up with 29 yards rushing, and, and you used him as a as a pass receiver three times as well. And I know you guys always say, you know, blocking is is a big part of that too. Uh, you know, Trayvon's a big part of your team. Yeah, how do you feel he did first game back? Sometimes that first game back, uh, you know, can be tough for guys if they've been sitting out a while. Yeah, I thought he played tremendous. I mean, I think when he touched the ball, he was a difference maker, whether he was returning it or whether he was um, catching it or running it with it, and I thought blocking was fine. So uh, it was a big, I think, confidence boost for him to come back and feel good after a game. We get the bye week, of course, now for him to rest up and be ready to roll against Winnipeg. But uh, Trayvon's a dangerous weapon. We've got to be able to utilize him more and often. And, uh, you know, the more he's in there, the more continuity we get with him, the better things will go. And, you know, I, I, th- I think that's that's part of the game for us is we need to probably lean on him a little bit and, you know, looking at things we probably will. But, you know, there's been different reasons why we haven't gotten our run game going. It's no fault of anybody's. It's just cir- circumstances of games at times um, that have led to it. Um, it's not generally been a, a, reason, a lack of success running it because I think our averages are pretty good with whoever's back there. 
It's just a matter of being able to stick to it more um, due to the, the flow of the game. The Eskimos Coaches Show will continue, and I'll ask Jason about some of those challenges, how it worked with Duke Williams on the weekend. Eskimos Coaches Show on 630 Chat. Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Reed Wilkins in for Morley Scott tonight on 630 Chet. Jason, I, I want to ask you a question about the Duke Williams review, and I, and I don't want to go over the the actual call because that's kind of been beat to death, but but something else interested me on that play. Uh, you know, as soon as it happened, Duke turned to you, turned to the Eskimos bench and gave the, the symbol to throw the challenge flag, which, which you did right away. I'm curious about that relationship between receiver and coach in those situations um, because there has to be some trust there. And, Jason, I've watched football for a while, and I know sometimes receivers tend to think they're interfered with if they don't make a catch when maybe you know maybe you got to be a little careful about throwing a challenge flag. I mean, do you talk to the guys about, look, don't tell me to do it. I'll trust you, but you really need to be sure. Is there that conversation or do you just kind of roll with the individual situation? No, our receivers are taught if you get grabbed face masked or felt like you're inhibited from catching the ball, you absolutely have to get up and tell us right away so that our guys upstairs can take a look at it. I happen to be 20 yards from there. I saw the whole play unfold. Why do you think I threw my challenge flag so fast? I'm right behind the referee, didn't call it, but I'm looking at it with my own eyes, and I clearly saw it. So that's why I threw it so fast. And the fact that Duke got up and said he got interfered with and I rewatched the replays and see a face mask get his face mask get yanked. That's why he came up so fast. He thought it was no brainer that that was going to get called. So, and the fact also is, I also know what time of the game it is. There's a minute thirty to go. Do you really think that I'm going to get another opportunity to call another a, a good, a, a, a basically a better opportunity than that to save my challenge for? Are you kidding me? Like, that's what I don't understand why people are questioning when I threw my flag. A minute 30 to go in the game, a play that you think you're right there, both your receiver and your coach and the whole sideline sees it with 1.30 to go in the game in a one-score game. Am I going to save it for another play? What play? What play is going to come up? Oh, it just happens to be they missed a, a helmet-to-helmet on our quarterback the very next play, and so now you're going to play devil's advocate or, or hindsight with me? Come on. That's the way I feel about that play, and that's the way I'll always feel about that play. And, yep. yes, my receivers are told when they get touched or they get inhibited from catching a ball, they absolutely get up right away. But in the fact on that play, I was right there. I saw it with my own eyes. I didn't need somebody upstairs to tell me that. So that's that's the way I feel about it. You can always tell I'm not – real happy or thrilled with the no, way call. No, that's, that's fair, no, fair comment for sure, Jason. Uh, absolutely. And, and I was, like I said, curious about the, uh, um, the relationship, too, with, uh, w- with the receivers and their interaction with you if they feel something happened for sure. So, so that's interesting. Hey, uh, obviously you're on the bye week. I, I know you'll be on again with Morley uh, next week talking more about Winnipeg, but I just want to th- throw you one about them, too, because they, they've been on a tear. And when I watch the games, uh, I, I see uh, – Andrew Harris, and, and I got to admit, he's fun to watch, except when he's playing the Eskimos, and uh, and I'm hoping you guys stop him. But he he's he's a very dangerous uh, weapon, and he's been a premier player in this league for for a long time. I, I assume he's probably a big focus of the game plan. What 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 have you just seen from him throughout his career, and some maybe some details that make him a, a standout player? Well, I mean, he's obviously prepares every season to play 
to play every down like it's his last. I mean, every time he touches the ball, he's efforting to get extra yards to, to make the most of every single play he's in there. And he's obviously capable of catching the ball out of the backfield, blocking. He moves around so much. Um, you know, he's a, he's capable of a thousand yards rushing. And this year he's probably going to get to a thousand yards receiver, which never been done. So that's a testament to the professional he is on and off the field. Um, he is fun to watch. I, I watch every game and, um, the fact they utilize him so much and are able to utilize him so much, even though each defense I'm sure tries to take him away. Um, they just do a good job of making it hard to take him away. So obviously that has to be a focal point of, of not letting him, uh, once he catches it, you got to get him down. He's tough to bring down. That's one of the best attributes he has is he's able to shed block or shed defenders tackling very well. So in, against them, we have to tackle extremely well and bring him down as soon as he touches the ball. Um, and, and obviously you got to have your, the right matchups, but it's hard to substitute and do different things because they, they have good tempo on their, on their offense as well. So um, it's kind of a perfect storm when you play them. They're, they're good at what they do. They execute things well, and they've got a guy who's probably who's never done what he's doing right now in our entire league. Yeah, for sure. Just a couple more for you, Jason. Jason Moss with us on the Coaches Show here on 630 Chet. Darrell Walker's back with you guys. I mean, we all we all know what he can do. Uh, but I, I mean, another 92 yards receiving against uh, against Toronto on the weekend. I, I mean, is it is it almost like he never left? He just seems to he's right in there. Riley's finding him. He's trying to make plays once he gets the ball. Looks like he was never away for half a year. Yeah, no, he's tremendous. I mean, I think he's right up there with the best receivers in our league, bar none. Um, you know, he's been a pro since he's been back. He's learned our relearned our offense because it's been it's been changed some from the time he was here. He doesn't have a full training camp to learn everything. And you know, there's times in games where probably nobody else notices, but we notice when he's not sure of what he's doing, just based on that simple fact of the little time he's been here. But uh, our guys communicate really well. We do a really good job of getting him where he needs to be, and then from there, it's all on him. I mean, he's. There's a reason we went out after him aggressively again to get him back here because we didn't want to have to play against him for a for a season. So he's tremendous. We all love him in our locker room just the way he is, and um, you know his talents are are unquestionable. And I think you're going to see him be successful every time he steps on the field because of it. Right on. All right, Jason, I hope you enjoy your bye week. It's always great to have you on the show. Uh, you and Morley will be back next week. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Reed. Have a good one. That's Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. So the team on a bye week, they will next play Saturday the 30th when they host Winnipeg. So all they can do this week is sit around and watch how the other teams in the West Division 2 do. Winnipeg is going to host Ottawa on Friday, BC home to Hamilton also on Friday, and then a showdown between Calgary and Saskatchewan. That'll be on Sunday afternoon. So the Eskimos right now third in the West at 7-5. and five. If the Riders were to beat Calgary, that would push the Eskimos down into fourth. Both teams would be 7-5, and five, but the Riders have the tiebreaker because they beat Edmonton head-to-head. So a lot still to shake down. Uh, certainly we talked to Jason Moss about some things that uh, they want to do better. And uh, as we talked about at the beginning of that interview, the, the Eskimos are making plays 
They are at times making big plays. The touchdown pass to Zilstra, the long bomb to Mitchell. They got a fumble recovery earlier early in the game, but then they're they're giving up big plays against or or making a mistake that that bites them and uh, you know allows a portion of the game to slip away. So we'll have another coaches show with Jason Moss. That'll be one week from tonight, next Tuesday, and uh, Morley Scott will be back to host that one. The next Eskimos broadcast again. It's on Kissing Country 103.9 Saturday the third. 6.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 7.30. Eskimos back home to play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to the Eskimos Coaches Show on 6.30 Chad. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.